Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 104, and today we are going to be discussing the future state of travel, what travel might be looking like in five to 10 years. Who knows? We might have some wild predictions, but maybe in a few years, we might not be too far off. We'll see. So we're looking forward to it. And this episode is for you if you're curious how our travel might be in five to 10 years. Maybe it'll be flying cars. Maybe it will be automated hotel rooms where you put your cell phone right in front of the door and it clicks you in. Who knows? But we'll be talking about all sorts of crazy ideas this episode and it should be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very curious to hear what my good buddy and my co-host Jared has to say today. What's going on, Jared? Hello. These ideas may seem wild, but at one point, the idea of getting into a flying can and shooting through the air at 500 plus miles per hour seemed pretty crazy. And now it's one of the safest ways to travel. Uh, So, you know, anything can sound crazy up until it really exists. Uh, But first, please, everyone, spread a little love. Follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Twitter, Untranslatable1, the number one. Email us, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. You can sliggity slide into those DMs in the inbox. (laughs) (laughs) Sliggity uh, it up. (laughs) Give us some... um, Untranslatable ideas, which are uh, idioms, sayings, proverbs that don't make any sense if literally translated, but have a meaning in their own language. Um, you could also give us topic ideas. Um, you can give us song of the pot ideas. You could go to our um, website, untranslatablepodcast.com, see some of the untranslatables that we talked about on our previous episode. Most of them are there. Uh, or, most importantly, you can uh, spread a little love with five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. I repeat, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Wait, Jared, what was that? Uh, oh, spread a little love. Five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. <laughs> and uh, you know what I think that'll do? That'll that'll make us happy. And uh, we like to be happy. You know who also likes to be happy? Ikea. Now, I found this story. This was on, uh, well, this was trending on on, the, on Twitters a couple, day, a couple days ago. Uh, Ikea will pay someone to go to Copenhagen and see why it's one of the happiest places in the world. Oh, I, I saw that, but it was a meme, so I wasn't mm. sure if it was safe to mention it. But okay, well, so your this meme is news legit. has been updated, upgraded to real news. It's real. There we go. Okay. Uh, so Copenhagen, Denmark, is known for having a high quality of life, and it's one of the 10 most livable cities in the world, according to... Economist Intelligence Global Livability and Denmark was also ranked the second happiest country in Earth uh, in 2019. Now IKEA wants to send some someone to live in Copenhagen for two weeks in September to explore what makes its residents so happy. IKEA will pay for all travel expenses, put the winner up in a Danish apartment with IKEA furniture, of course, and also pay them a Danish salary. Uh, while the con- uh, while the contest didn't qualify uh, clarify how much the salary will be, the trip is valued at eight thousand uh, dollars, which includes the salary, airfare, accommodations, insurance, and other expenses. So, salary for the two weeks. Not you're, you know. you're you're applying for this, right? I wish. I wish. I mean, I could. I guess like just take vacation for two weeks. Uh, an IKEA representative to okay. Uh, I- Ikea is looking for... This sounds like something you should and could do, by the way. Ikea or Don or something like that. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm the right candidate, only because uh, you, have to, you, have to, you have to, like, ingratiate yourself with the, with the people. 
Ikea is looking for someone who is eager to investigate and act almost like an anthropologist. A representative from Ikea tells CNBC, which is the uh, website I'm reading this from, our happiness hunter will meet many different groups of Danes as well as lifestyle experts and futurologists, which will soon be after this episode's over. That is true. (laughs) And our listeners as well. Yes. So anyone listening, feel free to apply. The IKEA representative uh, says the goal is to prepare the happiness hunter uh, is to prepare the happiness hunter to answer the questions: Where does Dane's happiness originate from, and is it uh, is it related to the way the Danes live and interact with each other? The winner will also get a free guided will also get free guided tours, talks, free dinners, and time to explore on their own, according to the contest, as well as a free kotbula. Uh, as well as free kotbula. Do you know what kotbula are? N- no idea. Uh, Swedish meatballs at the IKEA restaurant there. Uh huh. Of course. <laughs> can I can I uh, make a, a few um, assumptions on Dane's happiness? Please. So I've never been to Denmark before. I do know a few Danish people, but my guess for the the reason for their happiness is one. I think they have a very, very good work-life balance mm-hmm. where they have a lot of time to spend with families and friends. I think that's probably a big thing for um, their high level of happiness. I think the other thing, too, is in a lot of these Scandinavian countries, they have very good social systems set up. So that means if you need to go to the doctor for a standard checkup or an emergency situation, you don't have to worry about the cost of, medi- of, of you know, the medical treatment or medical care. You don't have to really worry about, it. from what I've heard, the system is not very complex. It's very easy and simple. Um, so I would say those are probably two reasons. I would say the third reason as well is I think that um, it seems like from the Danish people I've talked to, their culture is more about really enjoying life than just like working to live. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like so many Americans that I know seems like they just work to live, right? Mm-hmm. So there, that's my that's my two cents on that. Okay, though. all right. I think uh, we should apply to this. Applicants have to ha- have at least a basic English speaking skills. Minor Check that basic, off the list. but I think I think they'll pass. <laughs> be eighteen years or older. Be pass. quote unquote curious. Have a love. I would say both of us are. Have a love for travel and new cultures and a desire mm-hmm. to find the secret to happiness. Um, and also should also love being in front of a camera and in the spotlight as the winner's journey will be filmed and uh, distributed on IKEA's platform. I think we're perfect for this. We yeah. have all those things. We're in front of a camera multiple times a week. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if our podcast focuses specifically on happiness, but I, I think it's fair to say we fo- fo- focus on travel, uh, new cultures, and are curious mm-hmm. for sure. And I think a good way to promote happiness is to spread a little I'm love. With I'm with you. Right. Uh, and you're we right. are big proponents of that. We're big perfect proponents for of that. Exactly. Speaking of um, new things in our little podcast world, though, Jared, I have started a new playlist on our podcast of German music. And there's about ah. 22 different songs up there right now for everyone to check out. On that YouTube? Will probably be, yep, on YouTube. Oh, so sure. we have three playlists up now. 
So we have a Song of the Pod playlist, which you all should check out to hear all the different music we've been talking about on each podcast. I've also that? started a the Travel Tip series is a playlist. Would you look at that? And also a German language uh, music playlist as well, because not only do we love travel, but we also love learning about uh, new cultures and new languages, and, and music is a great way to do that. I'm hoping to branch out into other languages as well. We really need our listeners' help out there, especially the listeners we have you betcha. in uh, you know, countries where they speak languages like Arabic, um, Spanish, French, could be anything. Um, as long as we get enough music recommendations, I am happy to throw together more playlists of these to promote language learning, cultural learning, and just great tunes all around. I uh, look at our statistics, and I expect to hear from people from France, Sweden, England, uh, Australia. I'm trying to think of some of our consistent countries. Uh, no excuse, Czech Republic. People. Yeah, Czech Republic, of course. How does I not think of that? Yep. Uh, and obviously, <laughs> the, there's a lot of listeners in Germany, too. And uh, the list can be as long as you want it to be. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know, and I'll tell Chad that you let me know. <laughs> That's right. Have your people call Jared's people, and we'll take care of it. That's for sure. Exactly. That is for sure. So... Uh, it was really fascinating, Jared. I went to a seminar um, the other day for Fulbright to help. Uh, they had a little seminar on Czechs who want to study university at the US, in the U.S. And so I was there with uh, my friend Clara, and we uh, the turnout was fairly low. There were two people. But with two people being there, we could give them a lot more advice and kind of one-on-one tips and everything about applying to universities in the States. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to me, having been removed now, especially from undergrad for, what, this is five, going on five years now, I think, right? Yep. Yeah, five years. Yeah. And, and now, dude, it's crazy. Now what they have is what they call the Common App. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Did I think they had that back then, didn't they? No. I, I applied straight through Albion. I did not use the Common App for undergrad or grad school. They did have the Common App. You just didn't use it for Albion. Okay. Because I used it for, uh, it's been around since 1975. Oh, oh shit. Okay. I did not realize that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I used it for some schools I applied to, but not every school participates in it. Right. I think it's becoming more common that most universities participate in it. That's their goal. Yeah. Yeah. That would make <laughs> sense. Make it more common. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting though to talk to, talk to these students and, you know, um, and, and it was funny, though. I saw a lot of myself in them when I asked them, well, wh- why study in the States? Well, w- one, because it's really expensive. Two, you know, if you... No, that's why not study in the States, I would well, say. Well, e- exactly. Um, that, right. And so what, what's funny, though, is um, these girls were both like, yeah, we just, we want to, you know, have a new experience, go to a different country. We want to improve our English. And I was thinking that that is exactly why you and I went to Vienna in the first place. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it was cool. It was cool to talk to them. I hope they can make all their dreams come true and study in the States um, or wherever that may be. But yeah, hey, so Jer- yeah. I forgot to tell you, I watched yeah. a movie in Spanish the other day. Oh, that's right. How did that go? Uh, it was good. So the movie was Roma. Have you heard of that movie? Uh-uh. It, well, it came out, I think, in 20, oh, yeah, 2018. And it actually, I think, won some awards. Uh, like, a, And that's just Spanish for, for Rome, right? Or no? I, I guess. I don't know. There wasn't really any talk about Rome in the movie. Okay. 
Um, oh, uh, her. Okay, she's. Uh, she, so it's about a, a lady named Cleo, and uh, she's an indigenous live-in maid, in an affluent household in the Colonia Roma neighborhood of the Mexico of Mexico City. I see. Okay, so that's why it's called Roma. Um, I want to see what awards it won, but anyway, it was um, it was interesting. So it was in black and white. But obviously okay. it came out in 2018, so it was just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what awards won, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> because I wouldn't have given any awards. And so um, the movie was in Spanish originally, so there was there were obviously English subtitles. Um, and it, it was interesting hearing, for example, like hearing, using it as a learning technique. Because, for example, in a lot of uh, situations, the... Um, the subtitles didn't perfectly match what they were saying. So, like, there was yep. a moment where, where the mother said something about her hermano, and uh, which is Spanish for brother. brother. Mm-hmm. And the um, the uh, she was talking to her kids about her hermano, but in the uh, subtitles it says, "Hey, we're going to to visit your uncle this Christmas." And I was like, "Interesting." I heard her say hermano. So, did she say we're going to visit my brother? But they used they ch- the subtitles changed it to your uncle. Mm-hmm. So, small stuff like that was interesting. Um, um, Sydney couldn't understand some of it because I think Cleo was speaking. She's a uh, they, they mentioned that she was indigenous. I think she was speaking mm-hmm. a different dialect, Probably. and so uh, yeah. some of it was Spanish, but it wasn't like traditional or you know Spanish that she was used to at least. But some of it we obviously was normal Spanish because she was speaking with uh you know the family who was speaking more traditional Spanish that we're used to at least, mm-hmm. and. Like, there wasn't really a plot. So, like, it was over, and I was just like, oh, oh okay. Uh, but <laughs> but it, was, it, it, was, it was just about, so the uh, Cleo, she was, like, a live-in maid with this family, and they, they, they treat her like family, it seemed like, for the most part, except for, you know, family that you tell them to do stuff for you. Right. Um, <laughs> and there was a point in which she got pregnant, and as soon as she got pregnant, she told her, uh, her I wouldn't say boyfriend, but the dude she was seeing, Mm-hmm. Uh, in um, in a movie theater, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom." And she's and like, left. The, "Yeah." She's like, "But the movie's almost over. Can't you just wait?" He's like, "No, I'm gonna go now." And then he just left and never came back. Um, she found him later, but it didn't go well. Like he still wasn't. He called her a liar and said, "If you uh, if you ever say this again, I'm gonna beat you up." Um, Jeez. Dang. And so and so, the the husband of the living of, of the wife that was you know the. Uh, the employer of Cleo was uh, left too. I guess the theme was men ain't shit. Now that I think about it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because the husband was a doctor, and he says he was at the beginning of the movie. He's like, I got to go to Canada for work, and he uh, didn't go. He was just in Mexico with a, a mistress. Um, oh jeez. Oh dear lord. But then, so at the end of it, uh, sh- she's telling her kids that you know she's getting a divorce. And Cleo gave birth to the uh, to the baby, but the baby uh, died while giving birth, so no baby. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, for anyone that was planning on watching this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so they're at the place, so they went on like a small little road trip with the family, the mom, the kids, and Cleo. And that's where she told the kids about the um, about the divorce. And then uh, the the uh, they were hanging out at the beach. And Cleo saved the kids from almost drowning. Once again, spoiler alert. And uh, it was like they're all hugging each other at the end, being like, oh, I'm glad you're all okay. And then it was just uh, 
them driving back home and then the movie ended. And I was like, there was, okay. It was very, so cinematographically, that's not a word, but I just made a one. It was uh, <laughs> like, ver, like very beautifully shot, but like I don't really get it. Like what's the point? I don't know. I just didn't get it. Okay. Did you learn any new words from it though? Uh, no, no, I, no, but it did help me, uh, identify words. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay. And ask That's good. And I, like questions on like, oh, do they say the sentence like this because of this? Or like, there are probably words I, I learned in the moment, mm-hmm. but I couldn't think of them right now. Um, now sh- would it be helpful for while I'm doing this to like have my notebook and write down words I learn or something or just, you, you could, you could, or after the movie, it's mm. probably better to do it while it's going. The other thing I would suggest too, not that there's anything wrong with watching a new movie, but I would suggest watching a movie you've already seen in English so you know what the plot's about so you can okay. focus more on the language. Because <laughs> Maybe there's a whole elaborate plot that I didn't even catch. <laughs> I mean, could be. It very well could be. That's the thing. When, when you're learning a new language and you're watching a movie, it took me years and still, even though my German's pretty good... Um, there's still times when I watch movies in German that are like new movies that are German mm-hmm. and um, I'll get like maybe 60, 70% of the plot because I still have to focus a lot on the language. Right. Um, and with movies too, you know, you have background noise, you have music, you have all this stuff going on. You know, it's not like listening to a podcast in German where it's only really the language, right? So that's a big difference. But, but I would definitely suggest... Because I've seen this movie in Spanish and in English. Watch Coco in Spanish. It's fantastic in Spanish. Yeah, it's a great movie that's anyways. Definitely, yeah, I've seen that movie before too. Obviously in English. So yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. But yeah, I mean, it was a good... I mean, it was... It's weird to call it a good movie. It was uh, interesting to watch. Let's put it that okay. way. Would you but watch just, it again? Mm, I don't know. There's This wasn't a plot, really. It was just like... Like the the life of of this family and this uh, maid, okay. Like so it, maybe it just, not. Like I I need some I need some something to like, like I wasn't really, like, uh, like there wasn't really any sort of conflict other than just the struggles of her living the way she, like living the way she was, and the struggles of the dad just disappearing and leaving the family. But there wasn't like a real plot. That's the okay. only thing. Right. But I just okay. but I I enjoyed what it looked like though. Right. And uh I don't know. But I'll find more. There's um you know, I did what you recommended. I just typed Spanish into Netflix and I got some options. So there's there's definitely a lot of them. I I was watching when I was still living in East Lansing. I did I was a part of this grant um research grant there at MSU to um see how effective um, Babel is, which is like an online language learning course, which I love Babel. It's fantastic. But what I also did every day at lunch or dinner, um, if my ex wasn't at the in the apartment, I would watch uh, tele, telenovelas in Spanish. So I watched, <laughs> I believe it, uh, <laughs> I, I watched, uh, I believe it's called, um, what is it called? Like La... La Rea del Sur. It's like the, the Queen of the South or something like that. Okay. Um, I watched that one. That one has like tons and tons and tons of episodes. So that was one I watched. Um, I mean, it's half Spanish, half English. Uh, oh, yeah. I was watching La Rea Narcos. del Sur. Yep, that That's was a, the one. 
I typed in the telenovelas and that was the first one that came up. So And then there's another one too that's like um oh, what is it called? Um it's like something like Woman of Iron or something like that. Uh Woman of Silver. It's another Spanish telenovela on Netflix. Um that one wasn't too bad either. I watched that one. And um yeah, it was really good though. It it helped me it I would say more than anything it really improved my comprehension of Spanish. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really say, because you're not really speaking, right? Unless right. when they're like, "Por qué?" and then you you make up some <laughs> answer in Spanish while you're watching, you know. Right, uh, right, right. But yeah. Yeah, that's great though, man. That that makes me happy you uh yeah. You got to got to see a movie in Spanish. I'm also curious before we um spread some love, what's actually Sydney's story with Spanish? Uh she just started learning it in high school. That's really it. It was okay. all all she's not you know she's probably not perfectly fluent but she's good at it and she's near fluent and it was all just through high school and college that's awesome and she studied abroad in college but uh you know she started in high school and and they just i maybe I, I think i told you this i don't know if it was on the pot or not but her, her school uh was a rarity i guess according to her and the fact that they actually like focused on on speaking rather than just like grammar classes right that is awesome yeah that's great well, I think that that school deserves a shout out yeah, and shout some love to be spread. <laughs> a shout out to that high school. Spread a little love. And now it's time for some shout outs. And my first one goes out to the country of Costa Rica because they are banning the use of styrofoam containers. So on Thursday, legislators approved in the second and final debate the law that prohibits the import marketing and distribution of polystyrene containers, better known as styrofoam. Um, mm. And so the violation is can be a hefty one. Um, it Well, actually, I'm not sure how hefty this would be because this is in their currency, but it's 446,200 uh, colones to 4.46 million colones if you are a business using uh, styrofoam. So I think it's absolutely fantastic and the government is also going to support companies in the transition to more environmentally friendly containers before the law comes into force 20 months after the official uh, law was signed into place. So I think that's really amazing. It's yeah. great for the environment. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they'll also be able to find some ways to maybe boost the economy by using uh, alternative types of uh, containers, which would be awesome. Uh, 446200 colones is $763. Okay. So what's the other one? It's four point four six million. So that's probably what seven thousand then, because you're just times okay. ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to always annoy me. Uh, it was weird. I was conflicted because in at at our school, our fraternities used a whole bunch of styrofoam cups. It was cups. all styrofoam cups, and yeah. they're very insulating. But it is it is uh, just. Uh, gross waste of of uh, styrofoam and and uh, just it's it it was very wasteful and if you think about it i mean we had what 30 30 40 guys in the house maybe max mm-hmm. if you gave each of them their own cup not even styrofoam give them like a like a cup or a glass or something we had you those know? just no one used them because we're all we're all lazy lazy yeah that's true well i think some of it also unfortunately and this is clearly um laziness as well but the fact that like the cups were like in a cupboard. Not that right. you couldn't walk and go to the cupboard and get it, which proves how lazy we were. 
But I think if you would have put the cups maybe out in the open and put the styrofoam cups in a different place, right. maybe maybe it would have been less likely. That's why whenever I'm at home, I leave my guitars on a stand somewhere. So it's like, because if I keep them in the closet and the cases, in a way, it's almost like out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm-hmm. So if I keep them out where I can see them all the time, I'm always reminded, oh, yeah, I can grab this and play it, right? Yes. Um, by the way, I have a treat for next episode. Literally, my mom just sent me an email of weird sayings that she remembers from that my, remembers my grandma saying from her oh, childhood. Oh, cool, cool! I'm excited for that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. We we might I I can think of some weird ones too. Uh, maybe the next episode we should do weird family sayings. Okay, might be kind of fun. Uh, but my next shout out though, Jared, goes out to doing all the countries today. And today I'm. Uh, giving a shout-out to Bhutan, where teachers and medical staff will now be the highest-paid civil servants, which is absolutely amazing um, because, let's be honest, our medical professionals and our teachers are very, very important pillars of every society, Mm -hmm. and they deserve to be treated with dignity, respect, and also be able to live, live a comfortable life. They shouldn't have to scrape by just you know, based on their salary, um, especially that's a big problem in the states right now. So, and I, I think, think that's great. The increase in pay for teachers could de- directly translate to better uh, teaching, and like uh, indirectly translate to improving the education for students too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. And my last shout out goes out to the very famous, very amazing. Uh, very intelligent Lady Gaga, who is championing an Australian teen mental health program in the U.S. right now. So um, her her foundation called Born This Way released a YouTube video filmed at one of her LA uh, sorry Las Vegas residency shows, where she's promoting a new mental health program for young people. Uh, and she says, and I quote: "We are in eight different schools, but we are going to add twenty uh, more very soon." For me, quite frankly, my dream is that this happens in every school, which I think is amazing. I think um, we need to take care of our children, our teenagers, and we need to really give them the assistance they need, whether that be with mental health, whatever it could be. And, uh, you know, this program can save lives, can really help a lot of people. I remember when I was in high school, we had a few students who committed suicide. Really? Yeah. And I wonder, had we have had mental health programs set up for them? Um, maybe they would still be with us today. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. Kudos to you, Lady Gaga. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yes. Um, all right. You know what that means. <laughs> yes, I do. It is that time. Mm-hmm. So, Jared, I did some... I had my boots on the ground this week and did some <laughs> untranslatable research in the classroom with my students because... Okay. Um, sadly this week and then Monday and Tuesday will be my last lessons with my students here, which blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I did was I figured what is right up my alley? What is my best expertise that I can teach these students? What more than American idioms and phrases, especially after doing this untranslatable podcast, I feel even more adept and comfortable talking about phrases, explaining them, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I taught them a bunch of different American idioms Things like piece of cake, which for our non-native English speakers out there, it means like when something's easy, yeah. um, up my alley, when it's like mm-hmm. something you're good at. Uh, there, were, there were tons of them. Hit the hay, which means go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of them. Uh, ride shotgun was another one. So there were a lot of good ones. 
And so what I had them do though first is I wanted to make sure they understood what an idiom was. So what I had them do, of course, is write me Czech idioms and translate them into English. So Brilliant. Uh, it was. It was I, I, <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but I was happy with it. So the first one that I would like to read to you is secat latinu, which means to cut the Latin. Uh, it's like explain, like make it simple, like stop try, like overcomplicating it. Mm, no. So for example, maybe uh, we have a, we have a travel tips episode coming up in a city where there's a lot of different things, right? And there's so many things that you can't, you can't do them all. So you have to really cut the Latin and uh, be very decisive with what you choose. Oh, so it's like um, focus, like focus in on something. Very good, okay. very good. I was worried that example would throw you completely <laughs> off the trail, but good work. By the way, that uh, episode that you're talking about has already come out, and it was on Berlin, and we hope you enjoyed it. That's right. Uh, my first one is Danish. You know, the, since I was talking about how happy they are, I figured I'd throw them some untranslatable love. Let's do and it. And it's uh, hold da, hold da helt ferry, and it means to take a whole vacation, which I bet you it's very easy to do in, Dan- in uh, Denmark because they're so happy. And people are treated well there. Take a whole vacation. Is this like to just really enjoy yourself? No. It would probably be more said like this. Take a whole vacation. Hmm. Um, okay. Like, I don't know. You do you? I have no idea. So, uh, give me an I, example. I mentioned to you that I, I'm starting a new job soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told you, uh, I didn't tell you how much I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. I'm getting paid uh, $6 million a year. Okay. And uh, nice. that's before bonuses. And, and that would, that, your response to that would be, take a whole vacation. It's not like, get out of here. What would we say, though? You're so close. Get, get out of we here. You're pulling my leg? We have a, no, 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 no. We have an English uh, untranslatable, get out of. Get out of town? Oh, get out of town, Jared. Yes, there Six we go. $6 million. Dollars. Okay. <laughs> you're going to hook, hook a brother up with one of the one million of that six million, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you music lessons all day, every day for the rest of eternity. All right. My next one is obviously check. I have three check ones. Uh, well, two left. And I think I may have said this one, but it's a great one anyways, so I'm going to say it again. Okay. So, vipustit paru, which means... Let the steam out. Is I'm gonna guess it's not the same as English blowing off some steam. Hit that ham horn, my man. Oh. Too easy, but it's a good one. It's a very Let good one. Let the steam out. Vipustet paru. Vipustet paru. Parada. My next one is <laughs> Indonesian, and it's semut deser berang lautan tampak gojadi. Pulupuk matatak tampak. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I was thinking, Jared. Mm-hmm. An ant across the sea is visible. An elephant on the eyelid. Eyelid is invisible. So is this like the things that are right in front of your face are the, are the least obvious? Mm, no. No, no. 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 Okay. Can you give me a clue? 
So, um, hmm. uh, so, uh, this is obviously not a real example. Uh, so, uh, this is, let me make it clear. This is not a real example, but I'm going to use real people just to make it easier. Okay. When you are, when you and I were in, um, in Prague, you know, we had a, uh, a couple, um, a couple, uh, pivos mm -hmm. and Don was sitting there looking at us being like, uh, Beer is so bad for you. I would never drink beer. Beer is uh, what causes people to die young, and you should be ashamed of yourself, as he was snorting Coke at the table. And our response <laughs> to him was, uh, an ant uh, across the sea is visible, and an elephant on the eyelid is invisible. Okay, so this is like... Well, this is like you're, you're being a hypocrite, right? Essentially. It's when a person can easily see flaws in others, but not themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, I like that one. Okay, and that was actually not a joke, Don. At wherever we went, he was snorting <laughs> coke at the at the bars, at restaurants, just at, on the table. It was very you're, embarrassing. You're, you're going to get Don in so much trouble. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, my next one is Czech, obviously, and it is Tsip Tupes. The dog has died here, or where the dog died. This is a difficult one. Uh, it's like you hit the nail on the head, essentially. Nope. Okay. This is like. This is like when, you Don and I were in Prague, and I took you guys to the park, up on the top of the hill, Letna Park. Mm -hmm. And then when we got there, you know, you could have you could have said, "Oh, the dog died here." Who farted? <laughs> <laughs> I like how, how quick you were uh, to say that. No, it just means like a place that's calm and peaceful. Oh, which yeah, huh. I I don't really get that one, but well, maybe when dogs, uh, if a dog knows that they're gonna die, they go somewhere peaceful and just lie down. Could be, yeah, that's a good theory. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like uh, it. I have one more. Uh, Let's hear it. Uh, and it's uh, Haitian Creole, and it's "wap voy voy fle," and it means you're throwing flowers. Is that like you're pulling my leg? Mm, not really. No. Kinda. I maybe kinda, flowers? but the judges don't like it. Judges don't like it. Okay, you're throwing flowers. Is it like you're making something seem way better than it is? Uh, no, no. Okay, what is it? To not to take to not take something seriously, to talk nonsense oh, or to act okay. silly. Uh huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. We throw flowers occasionally on the untranslatable podcast. That's for I would sure. say so. I would say so, but not now. We're talking about the future. We're talking about science. We're talking about technology. We're talking about Shit's travel. About to get real. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, the future of travel. Uh, you know, I, I recently I read that article about how um, about how uh, you, there's issues with over tourism and and certain areas in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, and that's because travel is becoming more accessible. And I think that at least that is my first. Uh, my first thought about the future of travel is it's only going to continue to get more and more accessible and cheaper. And as uh, plane flights become better and as they become um, uh, more commonplace, even more commonplace, they're very commonplace mm -hmm. now, I think it's only going to get cheaper and cheaper. And as like the luxuries of travel slowly start to get stripped away through like companies like Spirit or Frontier <laughs> or uh, Wow Air, they stripped a little too many of those uh, luxuries away to the point where they don't even exist anymore. But that's they used true. to be one of those low-cost airlines, too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's number one. It's definitely going to get 
definitely going to get cheaper. And uh, I think it's a good thing. I think that we, um, like, a lot can be learned and a lot can be, uh, like, I think it really helps society for people to get out of their homes. Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of ignorance that people experience is due to them just never going anywhere. I agree. I think travel is one of the biggest ignorance uh, breakers out there for sure, without a doubt. I have to agree that accessibility will get better. It will become more affordable. And I think it will also in the future be even more convenient and comfortable. So what I mean by this Mm -hmm. is we're already seeing you can do almost everything on your smartphone, right? When you travel, you can book accommodation, you can find maps, you can buy tickets for a lot of places in Prague. We bought our tickets for our public transportation on a phone app. So I think that Everything is going to be more internet-based, more smartphone-based, app-based. And like I mentioned at the very, very top of the show, I think it could be possible in the future for you to have like some like QR code or something on your phone, and that would be like your key card for your room or something like that. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I think also, in addition to that, the um, uh, security should be getting like TSA-style security should get quicker. And or more likely more invasive as well too. Probably, but yeah. <laughs> I think I think that that process could be sped up a lot. Like instead of having to, you know, now we have to take stuff off, and now you have mm-hmm. to take off your belt and stuff. I feel like that's going to be antiquated soon. Like maybe they'll still be similar systems, but I think they'll work faster and uh, require and won't not require us to, to take stuff off. Maybe the machines can start recognizing a belt. Versus a bomb. Right. Um, let's play our new game, Belt or Bomb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, dude, I was at the uh, grocery store uh, the other day, one that I don't usually go to, and um, I saw something I've never seen before. Now, this is just a speculation on what this is, but it was a um, large plastic robot, and so it wasn't didn't look like a person or anything. It was just like a little, like, um, it almost looked like a... Like it was just like a like something that was like a looked like a light post almost, but but like with a plastic thing around it, and okay. I believe it was like to prevent shoplifting. I think there was a camera in it or something, but it was oh, just rolling around okay. this area of the grocery store, making like a beeping noise every now and again, and I'm like, what is this for? Um, and I I assume that's what it was for. I don't know what else it would be for. Right. But can I've you definitely ima- never seen that before. Can you imagine you check into a hotel and this like robot thing comes up and takes your bag and like rolls it up to your room <laughs> i mean that seems so easy to do like especially if you just program like a, like type in a room and it probably won't have to type in the room or just to put your qr code from your thing on your phone up to the thing and right. it'll, it'll lead you to your room with your baggage that doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility at all Mm-mm. and i mean you know that is something to be nervous about is like the number of service people that won't be necessary. And I hear, I hear, I, I went to a innovation and arts innovation conference thing a couple of weeks ago. And what they said is that, yeah, positions will be taken away um, due to technology, but it will free up more space for creativity. And I don't know how right. much I, I mean, I agree with that, but I don't know how much that'll translate into the lack of loss of jobs or whatever. But I think right. that there will be a, like, like I'm almost surprised that there's already not like a fully automated hotel out there somewhere, right? That doesn't right. involve people. And I'm I'm sure within the next ten to fifteen years, 
there will be hotels where you wouldn't even encounter an entire human being in terms of like workers, you know, going right. to like the check-in desk, none of that, which in a way makes me a little bit sad because I think that can be a nice touch if you have nice people working at the reception. Especially um, like a concierge. That's like mm-hmm. part of the perks of be- having a hotel is someone to show you, know, give you recommendations. Right, right. Can you imagine though? I mean... With AI and everything else, you could you could in theory have that concierge at your fingertips at all times with an or app. Or just Google it, or, but or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. But like the the crazy thing about technology, also data mining as well, which is a scary topic in in general. But like these companies that do a lot of data mining on your your phones or whatever, um, in theory they could give you probably already have some type of app or something that just spits out. You know, oh, we know you like these things. Here's this museum and this mm-hmm. restaurant and and this concert going on. And Based just off of where you've gone or what you've purchased in right. the past, just like, just like uh, through formulas, figure out the best fits for you in whatever city you're in or whatever. Right. I could definitely see that. Um. So another one I was thinking of is travel, not having to go anywhere at all to travel, and mm. what I mean is traveling through VR. Yes, the Oculus Rift or whatever they call them. Right. Uh, the only thing about that is I feel like even with those, there's no way to experience the people, culture, or food. Yep. So you, right. might be able to, you might be able to put those on and fully immerse yourself within any city and, say, walk around fully any city. But, but you can't replicate people, and you can't really replicate the food through VR, at least yet. Right. Yeah, uh, you never know. That would be wild. <laughs> You have like a like a plate and you put like a, you know, you type in the coordinates of whatever and you have a droplet and you drop it on the plate and then bloop, there's your... It's like, a, it's like from the first Spy Kids when they're in the safe house right. and they put the like the like the bags in the microwave and it just comes out with like a full McDonald's meal. Right. <laughs> oh, that would be crazy. Um, but I think even if you can't experience, you know, the people, culture and food stuff, I think it would still be awesome to be able to uh, like experience and see what other cities look like on a in a pretty realistic uh, 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 edition of it, and they have stuff similar to this now. I don't know how good the uh, like how realistic it is, but there are like you can buy like things like um, treadmills and stuff that that will like recreate uh, you running through say Paris or something like that. Right. But it's not. I don't know if it's as realistic because one, I don't think you're actually wearing VR uh, like mm-hmm. VR headset. I think it's just like a screen. Right, and uh, I think you can really up the realism of that. Let's let's put it that way. For sure. The other cool thing about that is that would be a great way to prep for a city you're going oh, yeah. to. Right. Yeah. Like you and I like to wander around, and this would mm-hmm. be a really good way to get your bearings before you even get there, which would be really cool to feel like you already know your way around. I love that feeling when you go to a city that you're familiar with. And, you know, you rarely need to reference your phone for maps or anything. You can just yeah. walk around, which is great. I Another that way thing, in Michigan. Right, right. Another thing, too, that I think we will see more in the future is different travel environments. And what I mean by this is completely underwater hotels, for example, mm-hmm. space travel, depending on yes. how expensive that will be. Um, I can tell you, I, well, mm-hmm. I can tell you how expensive it is right now. Okay. So, do you know that uh, Richard Branson, who's the owner of Virgin Atlantic, I think someone bought it recently, or some company bought it recently, but he uh, has a um, he he has something that he called Branson's Virgin Galactic Flight. Okay. And a number of celebrities have already bought uh, reserved spots on it. 
And uh, some of them include Justin Bieber, of course, your favorite. <laughs> uh, I, I'm surprised you haven't recommended him for a song of the pod. He is Canadian. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ashton Kutcher, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Angelina Jolie, just to name a few. And uh, so there's a, it's they're they're paying for a seat aboard a six passenger spaceship. Uh, what well, they call a spaceship two. Currently for sale for guess how much? Seventy five thousand. Man, every time you do one of these, it just reminds me how much of a broke boy you are. <laughs> a million dollars. All right, relax. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Damn. And up to this point, this is crazy. More than six hundred people have put deposits down to reserve a spot. Now I don't know if the deposit is the entire two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but it's probably at least like ten percent of it. So. People are putting down some big money for something that's not even close to existing. That's crazy. I I don't think I would do space travel until it's been around for a while mm-hmm. and all the bugs have been worked out because I could see like if yeah. you're on one of those first ones, ooh, you might get stuck out there or crash what, or who knows. What about the underwater hotel idea? That makes me very uncomfortable. Y- yeah. I I would rather I would rather like stay in a hotel that's like like a like cut into a mountain or something than underwater, but it might be kind of cool. There, I don't know. I've actually, I just found one. There is, I, I'm looking at the Condé Nast Traveler website, mm-hmm. and these are the eight coolest underwater hotels in the world. And there's one in Shanghai. Oh, man. Well, this is so cool because the view <laughs> is literally out into the ocean. Right. And uh, the price per night at the Shanghai one is $15,000. And um, it's uh, 20 miles outside of the city. Uh, now, there's th- this one is in a submarine, and it's in Saint Lucia, uh, which I believe is a like one of the British islands. I think so. Yeah, that's two hundred thirty thousand dollars per night. Oh dear lord! Damn. Do they actually have people staying there? I mean, there's a real website for it. Oliver's Travel. Uh, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's. That's so wild. I guess so. I, I'm looking at I cannot at imagine dropping that much on one, on, on one night. That is crazy. And it's like a luxury submarine. I mean, it better be luxury well, for how much true. you're paid for it. <laughs> but that's I mean, yeah, sure. but you go on like normal cruise ships and it's like it's like you're in a room smaller than my closet. The Muraka uh, Conrad Maldives Rangali Island, $50,000 per night. And there's a four night minimum. So it's no cheaper than two hundred thousand dollars. Oh dear uh, lord! There's one in. Oh wow, this one's not that bad. Wow, this is three night minimum. There's one in Tanzania, the Manta Resort Pemba Island, okay. and uh, it's off uh, off the coast of Zanzibar, and that's a thousand seven hundred per night. But you have to do three nights. Another it's one of the Maldives. Cheaper than all of the other ones. That's true. Another one of the Maldives is for one thousand twenty two hundred sixty five. Uh, so there are there are a few of them. There's one in Singapore for seventeen fifty, uh, one in Dubai for eighty two hundred. So there there yeah there are a few. Holy shit! Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> part of my French. There's one in uh, Sweden, uh, Utter Inn, Versteras, uh, Sweden. The Utter Inn offers a single underwater room floating. Uh, so it, it floats above the water, but then there's part a portion of it that's under the water. Mm-hmm. Um, near Stock Stockholm. It may not be as uh, luxurious as some of the other hotels on the list, but the room's twin beds uh, at 
and Endtable are just as perfect for a quiet romantic vacation. And um, $165 a night. That's not I bad. I do that. You trying to take a vacation, buddy? Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, it's nowhere close to as luxurious as the other ones. But, I mean, that that would be pretty cool. Good place to record a podcast, that's for sure. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially, we, I guess we'd have to be in person. I don't know what the Wi-Fi is like underwater. Right, right. But, right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that's a thing. That's definitely a thing. So, so I have another interesting idea about future travel. Okay. You know, obviously we have seen the rise and the boom of social media within the last, what, probably 10 years, maybe mm-hmm. even five years. Um, I think that there will be more social types of travel in the future, meaning that, you know, we already have apps like Airbnb, couch surfing, where you have like hangouts, meetups, different things. I think there might even be, especially with people maybe our age or even the generation below us that grew up with social media, um, where people will really, I think, do a lot of social travel, especially if you travel Mm -hmm. alone or with one or two friends where you could, you know, meet up with other people, um, stay at different places, have different events and things like this, which obviously doesn't sound that exciting or flashy, but I think it will become even more common in the future. Just a, a, a better, easier ways to connect with travelers in different places. Hopefully. I know it's a very rosy picture I'm painting right now, but I, I, would, I would like to see that in the future because what my concern with all this technology is, is that it's making us disconnected. And the whole point is to connect us. So hopefully um, that's what will happen in the future. But speaking of technology, I think another type of travel that might become very popular in the future would be where you basically like detech yourself for like a weekend. So So you go to like a hotel or a resort or something where they have no Wi-Fi, no computers, no screens, you go there with your friends or your family and you kind of detox from the internet and technology for like a, a yeah. day or a weekend or a week. Uh, hopefully it's more than a day. But yeah, so you like check in, but at like the uh, at like the front, there's a spot to like check in your phone and all that stuff. Yep. And you just have nothing, no TVs in the room. Right. Uh, I would love that. Uh, and, and I don't claim to be better than anyone uh, as far as that stuff goes. I'm just as addicted as everyone else. And I think that it would be helpful for me to be forced into that. Not, you know, not obviously not forced to go there, but for like put myself in a situation where I'm forced to give up that stuff rather than be like trusting myself to be like, all right, I just won't, I won't scroll through Twitter while I'm on vacation or something like that. And you know, what would be cool for that is if they gave you a, like a Polaroid or some type of camera. Disposable camera. Yeah. So you could still take pictures and document Mm -hmm. your experience, but then you don't, you know, because a lot of times I catch myself, I'm only using my phone so I can like take pictures when I go places, right? Right. Um, and so it would be really cool if they gave you like a disposable camera or something so you could still document your experiences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you could, you could, this would be a really good thing to have like a retreat kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You go for like a nice hike. I obviously would bring an acoustic guitar with me. Yeah. Also, I'm super stoked when I get back to the States. I have a mandolin, and I'm hoping to start to play that a little bit more because I only know a few chords. So like, I would bring a couple instruments with me, mm-hmm. uh, which would be cool. 
if if I were to have one of these places, I would obviously have a piano. You'd have to have like a jam room, but like only right. acoustic, I think, which would I got give, give it a different kind of vibe. Because like so I couldn't bring my keyboard. <laughs> nope, there'd be a piano there for you. You'd be good right. to go. All right. Yeah. Because uh, once I again, like that idea though. Yeah, because I think that there's just something like very freeing of not being around a bunch of electricity, a bunch of technology and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love technology as much as the next person. But like there have been a few times where I've gone camping and like, you know, just put my phone in my bag and there was no other technology. It was a campfire talking to your friends, Mm -hmm. enjoying the beautiful view of the stars and everything. And it's great. Uh, on on my camping experiences, those have, especially the ones where you don't have signal, those have been like when I went to North Carolina with Brad a couple of months ago. Those are when you have some of the best conversation where there's literally no distraction and all there is mm-hmm. is, you know, alcohol and you sitting around a fire. Just right. time goes so slowly because uh, there's nothing distracting you. And you, and that's that's probably where I've had some of my best, uh, best conversations. Right. And, yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. And as this technology progresses, I think it'll be more and more necessary that we force ourselves away from from it for for a break from it. I haven't had a break from my social media and phone probably ever, uh, and maybe I should look into that. It's important. I think also another thing uh, is there's going to be le- less necessity to go to offices. So yeah. like um, now, I don't know. I don't know what the what the future of um, e-commuting which is working away you know working not in an office would be for you as a teacher mm-hmm. i mean i mean there are, are situations where you can do that but as far as uh like schools and stuff i don't know if that'll be uh, uh an option anytime soon Mm-mm. but as far as people working you know more standard nine to fives where they just go to cubicle and work at a computer all day um the the necessity for people to work in an office is quickly going down and um even like meetings and stuff like that, you don't really need to be there or, you know, sharing documents, signing stuff, all that stuff. Um, but I bet um, that would make one. I think that would help with stuff like this over tourism that we're talking about. I think it'll take less of a uh, more of a burden off of like, quote unquote, peak tourism time. Right. Because these peak tur- tourism times are mostly built around um you know, when people have vacation and then, you know, when they, I guess when kids have vacation too is a lot of it as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I think that that'll be a lot, uh, the burden will be taken off for people that say don't have kids and aren't trying to figure, or fix it around school or school time and say it's like, all right, well now uh, I can, I can go in this time when I know it'll be less busy because, and I don't really have to take time off from work, uh, which I think is a pro and con. You yeah. know, when we were in, um, when we were in uh, Europe, Don was bragging about how his work needs him, and how you know if if he leaves, then the whole company stops working. And mm-hmm. I was like, "That's not a that's not a good thing." Uh, but um, but because of that, um, even though he has he has essentially unlimited vacation, and so they they don't like they don't like counter vacation like that. But the trade off is they expect you to always be on call. And so um, I think that part of this whole not the necessity to um, not need to work at your office might help you be more freed up to travel when you want. But I think it might also make it harder for people to fully go on vacation 
and purely have time when they're disconnecting from work. Because right. it's like, listen, you could be here and yeah, maybe we won't expect you to work 24 hours, but you still uh, are just as capable to work here as you are if you were in the office. So I think there's a pro and con to that. Because I think even if you can work anywhere, there is still a necessity to having a vacation where you're fully disconnected from what's happening at, at work. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it and I think that will also change the way the way people travel as in like if you if you can work more digitally and you're not as bound to being in one place, um, then maybe one maybe the the cost of, you know, flights n- to nearby places, at least in the states might go down maybe because mm-hmm. people might be able to have the freedom to go visit other cities and stuff. And I think then there, you might also see maybe a bump in um, like shorter tours. Like I feel like a lot of tours you go on are like all day long. Right. And maybe like some shorter, like couple hour tours for like people who are digital nomads who have to like work at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, free walking tours seem like they're all the rage right now in Europe. Um, and so maybe there will be more of those as well because they're kind of a little bit shorter, a little bit more impromptu, and you can kind of come and go as you please, which is really nice. Um, I think the beauty of what we'll see in the future, hopefully, is there will just be more flexibility with travel. Uh, yes. As you mentioned, it will be more affordable. And the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the transportation. I think there will be a lot of changes in transportation. And imagine when self-driving cars are the norm, how epic road trips can be. Yeah, that, oh, that'd be so much fun. <laughs> right? I mean, you literally, you Just you know, we could go from car. Michigan to California. Exactly. And you have your own little party bus. Yeah. Uh, and it's your own personal car. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I, see I, I like driving, like, and I, I like cars and stuff. But there are situations where I think that self-driving cars would be great. Like, for example, commuting to work in the morning, especially like my old commute at my last job was just like a slog through the city. And mm-hmm. I, I would love if I didn't have to actually sit there and drive, stop at a stop sign, drive, stop at a stop sign. Right. I mean, imagine <laughs> how much more productive you'd be, yeah. you know, like that 20, 30 minute commute every day or more. Um, you know, you could be reading. You could have like a little mini, little mini gym in your car or something, doing push-ups, getting swole on the way to work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy options out there. Yeah. You could be doing work on your way to work, I guess, if you were so inclined. I mean, well, they do that for like Google and I think Facebook as well do that. Like they have buses that that'll like carpool buses, mm-hmm. and they have Wi-Fi on them. And I don't think you're required to work on them, but I I bet you a lot of people do. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I think that 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 uh, the only thing about that just I just thought of something. The only thing about the self-driving cars thing uh, is I, I I think it'll also lead to a lot of a lot uh, like a big improvement in situations like uh, that are popular for you in Europe, like bus trips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll it'll make those um, safer, obviously, and um, I think quicker also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll even improve the the buses. Now the trains. I'm surprised trains aren't already automated at this point. Uh, right. They're on tracks. Uh, right. You would think they would be by now, but I right, think but we're they're still so behind there, pushing a little uh, lever. Right. right. Yeah. Who knows? I'm excited to see what the future holds in turn in terms of travel. I think it will be really exciting. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, I just hope it will give more people the opportunity to travel, give them more flexibility 
and uh, obviously make it more affordable and more convenient, which is always good. Yeah, I have one more. Mm -hmm. And that's a tunnel connecting the U.S. to Europe. That would be awesome. I feel like there's been a lot of talk about that over the years, but no one's actually done it. And the only thing about it is you would have to have some sort of like super high-speed transport, not super high-speed, but some sort of high-speed transportation system because I don't think it would be practical to drive that. Like that would take like days. But um, if you could have like something that travels like the speed of like a high-speed train but faster, uh, I think that would be awesome. Didn't wasn't it Elon Musk that proposed um, that yeah. proposed uh, the like the, yeah the hyperloop and that would get you from what like Chicago to Detroit in like half an hour? Uh, I don't know. I don't thought I know some- there was one that he was doing just in um in in L.A. to avoid traffic and if you had a Tesla then you could like uh, drive underground. Oh, that's not the Hyperloop. That's the Boring Company. Okay. The Hyperloop, I'm looking at it now, uh, is a proposed mode of transportation, uh, uh, of passenger and or freight transportation for uh, first used to uh, describe an open source VAC train design uh, oh, in a vacuum. Um, released by a joint team from Tesla and SpaceX. Uh, so yeah, and where, I don't know where, it doesn't say where we'd go from where to where. Um, oh, there are a bunch of proposed routes, not just that one, mm-hmm. but that is one of the proposed routes. There's one for just the LA area, one for San Francisco, and then some that uh, are more interstate or in, you know throughout the country. Right. Uh, and I think that the the one that's the one that Elon Musk is working on right now is specifically for Los Angeles, and it's, it's for if you have a Tesla, you can go on this thing and it goes underground, and you, your car sits on like this sort of skateboard thing. And it shoots your car to uh, across the city way quicker than if you're just driving through traffic. Right. And it seems kind of dumb to me because I, I, I get that it might be quicker, but it's not really like a like it's not really like a um, it's not really like an efficient form of transportation because it's still one car on yeah. one skateboard. It's like I, the, I think the if you're going to be doing that, make it something more mass transportation based rather than just your one car going yeah. on this thing. Obviously you could obviously probably hold more than one car, mm-hmm. but you're still just one person sitting in your one car. And yeah. I think that if you're going to do that it would make more sense to make it something uh for the public and not just for you know a Tesla owner. Oh for sure. I, I would understand love to the benefit. See, right. Right me either. I would also love to see in the future um for the for the whole world to be connected by tunnels. You know, yeah. you want to you want to jet jet off to, to Moscow, go for it. You want to go to Tanzania, go for it. Mm-hmm. Paris, Paris tomorrow. Sure. We'll, we'll hop in the train uh, in the tunnel and off we go, you know, go to go to India, go go anywhere. It would be really amazing. I don't think it will ever see it because of political conflicts and things, uh, you know, and borders between countries. Right. But I think if if somehow there was ever a way where the world was peaceful enough and everyone was cool with this idea. Uh, I think there could be a lot of benefits. I think it would help a lot of economies. Um, it could be really good. And it would also help people experience other cultures, which I think is also very important. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That would be cool. And yeah, I guess there, a huge issue would be like stuff like passports and, and all that stuff. And how do they do that? But, uh, I think we'll, I think the world will see it. I just don't think we'll see it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. You're right. You're right. That's, but it seems that's possible. way in the future for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, Jared, speaking of cool things, I think mm-hmm. we should move on and talk about the song of the pod. What do you think? 
Yes, yes. The song of the pod it was recommended by you, and mm-hmm. the guy's name is John Butler. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, he he is lives in America, but he's Australian. I'm not sure where he lives, but he is Australian. Okay. And uh, he um, he 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 was it's a, a piece on an acoustic uh, guitar. Mm-hmm. But he uses the acoustic guitar in ways that honestly I don't even know were possible. Now yep. I've seen, I've very seen, it's futuristic, a, right? It is. It's electric acoustic, first of all. Yeah. Uh, now and it's I've a seen, twelve string. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen like the people use acoustic guitars as like percussion, mm-hmm. but I'm confused because there are points where he's uh, um, playing it, but he's not even plucking it. He's just like do it mm-hmm. on the on the fretboard thing and noises are coming out. I don't even know how that's possible. It's so it's I'll I'll give you the guitar term for it, Jared. It's called a hammer on. And it's ba- it's basically the same concept as a piano. When the hammer hits the string it vibrates, right? So it's uh. the same on your guitar. If you push down hard enough and if you watch him, it's not only pushing down but also releasing. And that's called what we call a pull off on guitar. So the way he releases, he plucks as he releases. Yeah, well, you can make a sound by hammering it on, by hitting Mm -hmm. the string. If you hit it hard enough to make it vibrate, you can also make a sound by releasing your finger, and it makes it vibrate. Okay. Uh And also, another thing I noticed Mm -hmm. is that when you uh, were in the height of your classical guitar playing, Mm -hmm. your nails were immaculate. And I noticed that one of his nails... uh, His thumbnail? Oh, is that that the one? looked like he just uh, got out of like the, the manicure chair. And like it was so long, uh, it was crazy. I think people call that a coke nail. <laughs> that, I think I think that's supposed to be your pinky. Oh, um, okay. I, I think I'm I'm not wrong. Don't quote me on that. I'm I'm not sure, but don't quote me on that. But um, so yeah. So what he does is he has so he plays a well he plays an eleven string. It's a twelve string guitar, but he takes off the G string. Of course, that's the string he takes off the G string. You seem offended um, by that. Which is, it's just kind of ironic because that's also a slang term for some fancy underpants. Oh, uh, right. A lot of guitar <laughs> players will make jokes about it like, like, oh yeah, my G string is, is old or something. And they just mean, you know, the third string on the guitar, right? Right. And the reason why he takes that off is because at least on a lot of guitars, this string sometimes will have tuning issues. Um, and when you have a 12 string, you have double. So you have octaves on all the strings. So it's very easy for these strings to get out of tune, right? Um, and yeah, so you see super long nails and they are fake nails, obviously. They're like a very bright white. They're fake. Oh, they and are? I, yeah, yeah, they're fake. Oh. Yeah, you, you normal people don't have nails that look like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're definitely fake. But there's two reasons why I chose this song for our song in the pod. One, it's just an epic, epic song. And two, I saw him live in 2016 in Royal Oak, Michigan, and he oh. played this, and it was one of the best songs I've heard live by a guitar player. Um, and you're right, the way he plays percussion on the guitar, um, you know, he he hits certain areas of the guitar that makes it more sound like a snare. Other parts mm-hmm. are like the bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just absolutely amazing. The melody is fantastic. The buildup, everything is great. Um, and it's called Ocean by John Butler, and it's absolutely amazing. This is probably one of his most famous instrumental pieces he has now when he uh when you saw that did you go home and try to replicate it of course not no oh no i guess that i think i could learn it but it is he just does such a good maybe job maybe not the song I, I specifically but like the style 
Mm, not not really, because I'm more of an electric player or a classical player. I mean, I play acoustic, but I don't have a 12-string. I actually do mm. need to add a 12-string to my arsenal, because they sound great. They <laughs> I'm sound sure very, you do need to add one. <laughs> I do. Um, they sound great. They're very kind of airy. Um, uh-huh. You get like this really nice tone from it, uh, very shimmery and airy. But the thing about it is that... Um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not great at like, this is why I'm terrible at piano. I'm not great at like, if you watch him, he will fret notes with his, his right hand, which is usually the hand you strum on guitar and also play notes with his left hand, which we call tapping. Right. And the way he does it, he he'll have like two different melodies going on or a bass line and a melody. And it, it's very, very difficult to do that. I mean, you have to teach yourself just like piano. You have to teach yourself the bass line. You have to teach yourself the harmonies or the melody and then put those two together. So it's very time consuming. Um, so yeah, so no, I have not tried to replicate it, but it would be fun to be able to play in the style for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, and I, it sounded very nice too. I liked it. That was a good choice. So check that out on our Twitter, Untranslatable1. The mm-hmm. song of the pod this week is Ocean by John Butler. You betcha. And he, and he is in the John Butler trio. And they have a lot of great music to check out as well so we hope you enjoy also check out our youtube channel which uh has a playlist with songs of the pod and also uh our travel tips playlist and a playlist with german music and we're hoping to add other languages as well so time to move on to czech word of the pod and mine is budoznost great word budoznost uh future very good oh yeah parada now, I had a couple ideas for my... Well, I'll just tell you what it is first. Uh, inventar. In, invention? To invent? To invent, yes. Okay. Now, I had a couple options, and I wanted to find... Some, the, stu- the tough part about choosing Spanish words of the pod is that a lot of them are similar to English words. Right. So if I want you to guess, it's going to be kind of obvious. So like, I want to do technology, but that's essentially the same thing. Uh, future is essentially the same Futura, thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was now, but it's, yeah, futuro. Futuro, okay. So all, all these words are so similar, but mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to do one of those, so I just chose inventar. Inventar is a good one, yeah. Mm-hmm. How's the verb conjugation going for you with Spanish? Well, we haven't really been focusing as much on like the learning and the way that I have been, so it hasn't okay. really come up. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the most important thing for you would be learning how to use the I, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, the, the you. I still get confused about yo versus soy. Uh, estar versus... Um, uh-huh. Soy and... Est- yeah, yeah, yeah. First, whatever the other one is. Right. Because yeah, I've... Oh, and I've I one of them is a, like permanent, and the other yeah. one is like for uh, like... Changing tempor- state. Something temporary yeah, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like exactly. that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, get, I always get them mixed up, which is which. Right. Yeah, it's tricky because we don't have that in English. That's for sure. Right. It depends on what your definition of is is. That's true. That is true. (laughs) So, Jared, I don't have any jokes, but I do have some puns. Okay. So, I hope you're ready. So, Jared, what do you call a beautiful pumpkin? What's that? Gorgeous. (laughs) Time for some cow (laughs) jokes, Jared. What do you call a cow with no legs? Uh, I don't know. Ground beef. Ah. What do you call a cow with two legs? I don't. I have no idea. Lean beef. Uh, okay. What do you call Took a, a cow on stilts? I have no idea. High stakes. 
This is so dumb. Uh, <laughs> so, Jared, um, what did the man say after he um, got over? Oh, nope, that won't work. Just gave away the punchline. Um, okay, I'm going to just say the pun. I used to be, I tried to make it into a joke. I used to be afraid of hurdles, but I got over it. Guy walked into a bar and said, Ouch. Speaking of puns. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and the last one we'll do, let's see here. What do you call a bear with no teeth? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. A gummy bear. That's pretty good. I like that one. That was, that like was that. all right. <laughs> Plus, gummy bears are delicious. So there That's you true. go. There you go. Well, we hope you all have enjoyed this episode about travel in the future. We'll see in five to ten years what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see. We'll still be uh, here. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. I think uh, I, I really hope that you're right, though, Jared, that travel will become more accessible, cheaper, and also more convenient, which I think definitely will. And I hope that travel will also become more social and people can connect even more through travel, which would be absolutely amazing. Yes. One thing I uh, I forgot to mention during to talk about the VR thing is the one thing that I don't look forward to regarding VR, because that's definitely going to be a thing, you know, being able to see places through VR and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. I'm really not looking forward to people being like, oh, I don't need to actually travel there. I saw it through my Oculus Rift uh, glasses or whatever. Right. That's going to bother me because it's like, yeah, you see what it looks like, but that's only like a small portion of actually traveling to other places. Oh, for sure. I mean, traveling places, it's about... It's about the vibe. It's about the smells. It's about the obviously the sights as well. But mm-hmm. I think until there's a way that you can do VR where you can replicate everything, it's just not the same. You know, right. it's a simulation. You know, it's like it's like if you're, you know, doing a simulation of like driving a race car is not the same thing as actually driving a race car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? very so true. yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what's in store for the future, and uh, we're curious to see. Let us know. What you think travel will look like in the future at untranslatablepodcast.gmail.com. Also, check out our Instagram. We won't have any futuristic travel shots, but we do have some good current <laughs> travel shots. That's for sure. You which betcha. Which is Untranslatable Podcast. Check out our website, untranslatablepodcast.com, for untranslatables, our episodes, and some other cool stuff as well. Also, check out our YouTube channel for um, our videos if you want to see Jared's beautiful face and my slowly returning beard. And also, please, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us some feedback. We want to know how we can better improve this and help all of you out. So spread that love, and we really look forward to bringing you some new content in the near future. So as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Yaquíame a muchas gracias. <laughs>